Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. No, I would just like to say to your honor that I am uh, I'm not suicidal. That's what I would like to say. Okay. I'm not suicidal. Okay. I am not suicidal. I am innocent, and I am not suicidal. If I did this, then it means that I stuck my fist in the fears of black Americans in this country for over 400 years and the fears of the LGBTQ community. Your Honor, I respect you and I respect the jury, but I did not do this. And I am not suicidal. And if anything happens to me when I go in there, I did not do it to myself. And you must all know that. I respect you, Your Honor. I respect your decision. Jail time. I am not suicidal. It is Friday, March 11th, live from my apartment in Hayes Attic. This is the Ben Jarofsky Show. I am DJ Nate, filling in for the one and only Dr. T. Today in the program, we have editorial writer and columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times, Ramana Hussein. And now, your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Jussie Smollett gate conclusion. Yes, yes, yes. That first voice you heard was Jussie Smollett himself at the very end of the sentencing, the sentencing, the sentencing hearing that went on forever. Uh, the second voice you heard was DJ Nate introducing the show. Uh, yes. Why no, Dennis, you asked? Let's get that important question out of the way. Uh, he's out smoking reefer somewhere. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. He took the day off to uh, spend some time doing this, that, and the other thing. DJ Nate uh, uh, sitting in for him. This is a special Jussie Smollett show. Uh, and who else would I have a special Jussie Smollett show uh, with? And the great Ramana Hussein, editorial writer, columnist extraordinaire for the Chicago Sun-Times. I got this show. Romana, first of all, welcome to the show, Romana, number one. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here again. We were going to do this show, just so you know, uh, letting out a little secret, at approximately 5 o'clock. Uh, and I said, like, Romana and I, we knew we, we had been planning this. we got to talk about the Justice Millette sentencing, because since I had a show, we've been talking about Justice Millette. I mean, Justice, the Justice Millette incident occurred in January of 2019. I started my show in February 2019. Ramana Hussein has been a guest on my show ever since it began. And we've been talking about Jesse because, well, first of all, we're both uh, news junkies, but also, as you know, by now, ladies and gentlemen, Ramana spent several years as the criminal justice reporter at the, uh, uh, the jailhouse, a courthouse over on uh, California. And so it's a natural to talk about it with her. So we've been following this forever. Today was the sentencing. It supposedly starts at one. Well, Romana can give you a whole riff on that, how they never start on time. They're on bend time at the uh, jailhouse. And so it didn't start on time. And then it went forever. So seriously, Romana, before we get to the dramatics at the end, before we get to the sentencing, before we get to my... Um, 
analysis that of Judge James Lynn and how he looks like he should be in the rock band Cheap Trick or something. Before we get into any of that, please explain to me how this sentencing could go on for, was it five hours? Five and a half hours. I just double checked with um, one of our reporters who was at the courthouse because I want to make sure my math was correct. I've never been good at math. And he said roughly five and a half hours. So I was correct on that. And um, I have to say that I've covered murder sentences that were shorter than that. So, you know, a lot of people saying that, you know, a big deal is made about this case are definitely correct. It was a big deal, but for many different reasons. But the sentencing, you would think that it was um, it was a double, you know, there's been double murders that, you know, have gone sentencings have gone quicker. And I have to say, yeah, nothing starts at 26 in California. It's the Leighton Criminal Courthouse. Um, I always still, uh, me and the Tribune reporter, we would be the reporters that would always be there. Um, we were the beat reporters who cover 26 in Cal all the time. 26 in Cal is a nickname for the Leighton Criminal Courthouse. Anyway, um, so we'd always like, we, you know, we never started our day technically till 10 o'clock, but me and the Tribune reporter used to always show up late to work. And when I mean late, I don't mean we showed up several hours later, but we'd show up like at 10, 1030, because we knew when there was a nine o'clock call, the cases that we wanted were interested in weren't going to get called until 10 or 11 o'clock. And we'd always see like one reporter sitting there or a couple reporters sitting there looking all tired and Sometimes they were from WBZ. <laughs> I like to make jokes about that. Or they'd be TV reporters and we're like, they would tell us how they were there since like 830 in the morning. And we're like, nothing starts on time at 26 in California. And that was definitely the case today with the Jesse Smollett sentencing hearing. It was supposed to start at one, but it didn't start till 130. I have to say that part of the sentencing hearing involved um, Jesse Smollett's attorneys asking for a pretrial. So that took about an hour and the judge take, did take a few breaks, but when he said five minutes, it really means 20 minutes. So even though you said that, you know, you call it bend time, we also called it you know, Indians are notoriously late. Um, so we call it, we call it IST, Indian Standard Time. Um, so, um, you know, and I've heard people saying, you know, there's also, you know, CP, colored people time, CPT. So, um, yeah, nothing starts on time in 26 in California. So I, sh I always tell the young reporters, I mean, you, you do have to show up in early in the beginning, but after a while you get used to the rhythm of the different judges in the courtroom. So you get used to like, okay, they're not going to get on the bench until like 10, 15. And they're probably going to wait to call this, you know, case until like, you know, so-and-so time and you get pretty good at it after a while. So that's what happened today. It didn't start on time. Well, um, yeah. And it was a retrial. They, they were seeking a retrial and that's, uh, we had to wait for, uh, um, uh, Jesse Smollett's attorneys to make their appeal, which of course the judge wasn't going to grant. I, I gotta tell you, Romana from start to finish, uh, and you and I have basically are in agreement on this. Uh, well, I'll speak for myself and then you, uh, um, pick up with your thoughts. This has been given so much greater significance than it warrants, in my humble opinion. Every step of the way, even till now with the dramatics uh, of today's sentencing hearing with the uh, I am not suicidal refrain uh, that uh, Justice Smollett uttered uh, as though he were culminating a great performance in a movie that he expects to be nominated for Academy Award as he walks out of the courtroom. It's unbelievable. Every step of the way to asking for an appeal to 
having the second sentencing, uh, excuse me, the the uh, second indictment, Dan Webb being brought in, every step of the way, the sensational coverage, the obsession Chicago has with it, uh, far more significance than it warrants. We are obsessed with celebrity, let's be honest, uh, and it plays into political passions. MAGA is so happy right now. They want to put Justice Millett's face on every Democrat in the country, uh, the, and uh, the police felt besmirched. Mayor Rahm made a big deal of it. I have to say, personally, I will get into this, I thought everything was exaggerated, including the sentencing. I think it's re- ridiculous that he's going to go to jail for five months. Is that 150 days? You did the math for me. Five months for this charade. That's my general opinion of the whole a case in a nutshell. What is sort of your general wrap up when you review it from start to finish? Um, do you want to talk about the actual sentencing hearing today? <laughs> um, well, we can, I mean, that's, that's enough dramatic dramatics in itself. Um, we had everything from the Bible being quoted to the hall, you know, the Holocaust, you know, talked about. Um, I have to say this was definitely a, high profile case, but it had a lot of parts to it that were really important to us at, you know, in terms of the criminal justice system in Chicago. On the face of it, the actual crime wasn't a big deal. I'm not saying that lying to police is right. I'm not saying staging a fake crime is a fake hate crime is should be taken lightly. It's not. It's it's a pretty serious matter because there are a lot of people who are victims of hate crime. And this is a very serious, you know, this is a very serious problem in our country these days. Um, I, I think it just had a lot of drama since the beginning when Jesse Smollett said that, you know, he was a victim of a homophobic and racist hate crime. He had a noose around his neck and he said that in Streeterville, he was attacked by two white men wearing MAGA hats. So it had all these elements, you know, you had MAGA, you had, you know, Somebody using the N word, you know, attacking, uh, you know, this actor that's on this popular show, Empire. So, you know, everybody, I mean, this was a big deal when, you know, you know, there's stories and reports came out about the hate crime. I mean, it was the one thing everybody was talking about from, you know, politicians to like everyday people on the street. And then um, it didn't take long for police to end up charging Jesse Smollett. They, you know, they got evidence that, you know, he actually staged this crime. He wanted to gain more popularity. And I don't think it would have it would have definitely always have gotten attention because, you know, it involved, you know, him saying that he was attacked by Trump supporters to the fact that this was a guy. Maybe he wasn't a household name, but he became a household name and he was on this popular television show. It would have been a big deal. But I think what made it a bigger deal is the fact that after he was charged with disorderly conduct by the state's attorney's office, the charges were quickly dropped and he never had to admit guilt. And then, you know, there was, you know, then, there you know, a special prosecutor had to be called and uh, investigate whether there was any, you know, crimes committed in the state's attorney's office. Turns out there wasn't. Dan Webb was um, eventually appointed as a special prosecutor. But then Jesse Smollett was recharged by Dan Webb. Dan Webb came out with a report that came out, um, you know, the originally the um the findings of his 60-page report were kept secret, but after Jesse Smollett was found guilty 
of disorderly conduct in December. Then um, Dan Webb's report came out and it did say that, you know, in Kim Fox's office that there were, you know, missteps that were made, ethical missteps and procedural missteps. And, you know, we talked about, um, you know, on the show earlier, you know, while I think initially Tina Chen, who worked for um, Michelle Obama, this is when Jesse Smollett was considered a victim. She called Kim Fox and, you know, expressed her concern, saying that, you know, she thought the police weren't doing a thorough enough investigation into the matter. And then, according to Dan Webb's um, report, Kim Fox was still talking to um, Jesse Smollett's more popular sister, Journey Smollett, who is also an actress. So, you know, Kim Fox um, is going to be putting out an editorial that's going to be running in the Sun-Times. And I haven't seen it yet, but I'm assuming she's going to be defending her office, saying that, you know, nonviolent crimes, there is an option for um, deferred prosecution. And she said that's a similar deal that Jesse Smollett get. Got, but a lot of lawyers you talk to, and as someone who's covered 26 and Cal, I've never seen the same treatment that Jesse Smollett got for other suspects. Um, you know, I never seen other suspects get the same treatment. That's the correct way to say it. Um, so I don't know. I think it's a little disingenuous to say that, you know, this happens all the time. I don't think it does. Um, there's I don't think a lot of suspects have their relatives or friends calling Kim Fox. Let me just interrupt you, Ramana, to say this about Kim Fox. You mentioned Kim Fox. I feel compelled to say this. I believe, this is me speaking, this is my personal belief. love to get your thoughts on this. I believe that Kim Fox has basically been a patsy from start to finish. I think she got caught up in the celebrity, like the rest of us got caught up in the celebrity. She's getting phone calls from Tina Chen, this high-powered uh, lawyer with connections to Michelle Obama. She's talking to Hollywood celebrities. Uh, it's like a big deal. Everybody He's like Kim, like, like her friend. And I think she got bedazzled by it. Uh, and then she, so she ended up getting used. Then she decided to make a favorable deal uh, with Justice Smollett to essentially let him off when it became pretty obvious uh, that he had cooked up uh, this lie. And then he betrays her because instead of just reading from the script of, I'm really sorry, I won't do this again. It was a bad moment. I didn't take my meds, whatever. He suddenly says, this proves I didn't do anything wrong. Remember, Andy Grimm broke this story in the Sun-Times, as I recall. I didn't do anything wrong, and this proves it. And that was like, the, that got MAGA enraged. The police are mad. That just caused another set of problems for Kim Fox. So I feel that Jesse Smollett did no favors to Kim Fox. And if anything, if I'm Kim Fox, I must be, I would be really uh, irritated to put it mildly at Jesse Smollett. What's your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think, I do think, you know, you're mentioning um, Kim Fox. I mean, and she said, you know, her office has said that, you know, other um, defendants for low level crimes have gotten, um, you know, deferred prosecution deals. But how many of them have had Tina Chen call Kim Fox for them? Or how many of them have, uh, you know, another more famous actress sister to call on his behalf when he is charged with a crime again by Dan Webb? And for Kim, I think for Kim Fox to say that there was no missteps made, I think that's a mistake because there were a lot of her supporters who were just saying like, hey, let's step back and at least examine 
you know, what was said wrong. I mean, just admit it that there were some problems. You know, Dan Webb's report never said that there was any crime committed. And we're all humans. Just say that there were some mistakes made. I think that's, you know, and I I was saying, you know, earlier to someone that there were a lot of right wing voices out there who just wanted to, you know, use the small cases as excuse to dismantle what Kim Fox has done for the state's attorney's office and the reform she has brought since she was elected in 2016. Those voices, fine. You could say that those were excessive, but the voices from of criticism that were coming from even her supporters, I think she should have taken that into consideration. Absolutely. Uh, ab- absolutely correct on both fronts. Number one, uh, this was an opportunity for MAGA to strike back at uh, alternative sentencing proposals, uh, to st- strike back on just the whole notion uh, that prosecutors will be l- little less, uh, will, will not uh, prosecute absolutely crime that comes in front of their desk. You're just not going to be locking up black people, which we've been doing, and this is me speaking, not Ramana, which we've been doing in our country uh, for as long as I can remember. I've been around a long time. And so this was uh, an opportunity uh, to pay back. And that's why I think the most, when I think about all the horrific things that have come out of this, uh, it is pushed back. It's one of the many elements uh, over the last uh, three years, I think, Ramana, that have really pushed back the movement for f- more fairness in our criminal justice system. You know, Kim Fox got here because of the Loquan McDonald uh, shooting and the video and the response to Anita Alvarez, the former Cook County State's Attorney. And I really believe that Justice Smollett, we'll get into his histrionics today, but despite his histrionics, has just done a disservice to the criminal justice reform movement. And that that's probably what bothers me the most about what he's done. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's less what he did. I mean, I'm, I, I am annoyed about what he did because I do think hate crimes that are serious things. There are a lot of, you know, criminal activity um, or a lot of hate crimes done to people who are, you know, LGBTQ or, Af- you know, African-American. But Kim Fox, um, you know, by not addressing the, you know, the missteps in the office, I do feel that it opened the door for others to come and say, well, what is she doing in other cases? And how do we know this isn't happening in other cases? So you're right. It's just, it just, it causes a disservice. And I think, like I said, I think that's what the criticism of those people who have like, you know, the sane criticism or are trying to be like level-headed about it. I, I think, I think there's a point there. And, you know, there's some people who think that, okay, we shouldn't even care about this at all. And, and I'm in the, I'm in the, um, I guess, position or I'm, I'm in the group of people who said like, hey, you know, Kim Fox has done a lot of good things, but for her to not take responsibility for what the office bungled with the Jussie Smollett case when they initially dismissed the charges, I, I don't know. I, I think it leaves a bad taste in my mouth, at least personally. All right. So let's get uh, to what went down today. What's uh you're hearing this on a Friday, ladies and gentlemen. We're recording this Thursday, just after uh, the sentencing and the great dramatics that uh, we played at the outset. Uh, to the end, Jesse Smollett has professed innocence. He says he's an innocent man being wrongfully sent to 150 days in the Cook County Jail. I believe that he uh, is acting. I believe that he's. Pre- continuing this performance from the get-go. I believe that he staged uh, this crime, and I believe that it's one of those situations, Ramana, 
uh, I've been involved in things like this on my own on far lesser uh, (laughs) matters when I was younger, where you start, you know what I mean? You like, you say a lie to to avoid consequences and you're kind of stuck with it. I'm sure when you were like eight or nine or 10, you find yourself in a similar situation and your mother would be saying, come on, Ramana, you know, and come on, Ramana. And my, as my dear mother said to me many times. And so I'm just astounded that he is continuing to profess innocence. Do you share my belief uh, that he did it? Or do you believe that he is truly uh, an innocent man? No, I, I think he did it. I mean, and, you know, when he put, you know, when he got up today after the judge issued his sentencing um, sentencing um, requirements and, you know, ordered him to pay 150, Hundred twenty thousand to the city of Chicago and twenty five thousand dollars in fines. Um, Jesse Smollett, you know, finds out he has jail time and takes off his mask and he goes, "I am not suicidal." It kind of reminded me of Nixon when he said, "I'm not a crook." And so he said that at least a couple times and he proclaimed his innocence again. And I think, honestly, I know um, you know a lot of people will think the jail time is excessive, and I understand that. But I think if Jesse Smollett took responsibility and apologized for his role in his crimes, and I think it was part of the testimony when he took the stand, the judge said that he was, um, I think I have it written down here, he said that he was arrogant, selfish, and narcissistic. I think the fact that he was, you know, just pushing back, I think that probably helped land him in jail. That's my personal opinion. I think if he apologized and showed some humility, I bet he would just get probation, which is what most people thought because he doesn't have a criminal background. But, you know, he was he was definitely dramatic again <laughs> today in court. And he wasn't the only one that was dramatic. I, I think there was a lot of drama and dramatics going around with a lot of um, with almost everybody involved <laughs> with this case today. Do you have any, uh, by the way, Romana uh, is uh, really, I wouldn't say cynical, but she uh, is definitely sardonic. And she had some very funny asides when the, uh, <laughs> about some of the character witnesses who testified uh, on uh, Justice Smollett's behalf. I've never seen such a, a greater collection of breathless people in my life. And, uh, you know, I'm just outraged that this fine human being would be put through such an injustice. They're like comparing it to victims of the Holocaust. I'm like, oh my God, just get the Oscars out for everybody. Did you have a, was there like a moment of utter disbelief when you were watching this unfold? Ramona, where you go, I cannot believe they think they're getting away with this. I think a couple of times. I mean, there was, I I have to um, credit my, um, uh, I guess someone at the Tribune, Jason Meisner, he's my former competitor um, at 26 in California, who covers federal courts now for the Chicago Tribune. But he tweeted, he was he was at the courthouse and he was tweeting, you know, tweeting along with what was said in court. And he said, oh, so I guess it's the point in the in the in, in the sentencing hearing where we have Hollywood stars telling us what a class four felony is. And that was kind of funny. But um, I thought there was a couple people who testified on behalf of um Jesse Smollett, that were a little dramatic, including his grandma. And I understand, you know, grandma is very important. And, you know, of course, she's his grandma. So I expect grandma to defend Jesse Smollett. But, you know, she got up on the stand and she told the judge, if you're going to send him to prison, send me along with him. So my question is, is she going to jail along with Jesse for those 150 days. And then the grandma, I guess, was a, a documentary filmmaker. And then she started scolding the media and saying that, you know, 
you guys painted my grandson as this horrible person and you guys did a bad job investigating this case. And she talked about how she was, um, you know, alive during McCarthyism. And then, you know, I believe uh, Jesse Smollett's um, paternal grandmother is Jewish and she brought up the Holocaust and, you know, my mouth kind of opened up a little at that point. Um, then there was this woman that was um, part of some South African arts programs. And I'm sure the, all these individuals are wonderful. You know, they're trying to defend their friend or the family member. So this woman comes up there and she's talking about a program that Jesse was part of when he was 16 years old. And part of me was thinking, like, he's 39 now. Can't you think of something more recently that he did that was very admirable? Anyway, she starts, you know, talking about, you know, she starts name dropping all these, like, big name Hollywood actors. And she's like, Sidney Poitier. You know, she, like, had this exaggeration. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And she's like, Jesse was so, you know, he didn't even have a car. He used to come by train and I barely paid him. And, you know, I could only pay him so much. And I was thinking to myself, he's 16 years old. He doesn't have to get paid that much. And so, you know, I, I, I did, I did kind of have to say that I chuckled a couple of times um, during, during the sentencing hearing. And I don't know if you heard, but there were some big, bigger name, A-list um, celebrities who did defend Jesse Smollett, um, but they weren't there in the courtroom. Their um, statements were read by um, the defense attorneys. I didn't hear if Samuel Jackson had a um, had an actual statement, but I know his wife did, and his they read his wife. I probably tuned out because I was running in and out and doing different things, and I know that they read their statement in court. And Alfred Woodard is also another um, big name celebrity who also def, you know had a statement read in court. So they those actors weren't there, and I have to say those are probably you know the better actors among <laughs> the crowd that was there today. To defend um, Jesse, but you know there was there you know Dan Webb was a little like over the top. To um, the judge went on. I think I think a lot of people went over the top. Jesse Smollett's um, you know attorney closed with um, a passage from the Bible. Um, you would probably know the passage better than I would. I was going to say like so there was something that was Jewish related that was mentioned and. You know, the Bible was really I was waiting for somebody to say something Muslim related, but it wasn't. Then <laughs> that would have been all three monotheistic <laughs> religions. But that never that never came up. Um, so, yeah, there was definitely parts, I think, that um, I, I know a lot of people probably did chuckle. And, and, and then it just to cap it off with Jesse's outburst. I think I think there's a lot for people to write for tomorrow. And, um, you know, I you know, even though the case is over, I think we're still going to be discussing this for a little bit more before um, Jesse is off into La La Land and trying to find an acting job and not worry about, you know, the legal proceedings anymore. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't want to make, but I, it was, uh, I think it was a joint letter from Samuel Jack, the Jackson, Samuel Jackson and his wife. Yeah, because they used to, they, I guess they were neighbors with the Smollett's um, uh, back in the day in New York. Up. No, I, I, I thought everybody overplayed their hands. I, again, I believe that the crime was inflated uh, the de the detriment to society was inflated. Uh, I believed that um, it was, in effect, he threw down the mantle and a challenge was made to MAGA, the police department, law enforcement in general. This was their opportunity to strike back. 
and so everything, every step of the way, it's inflated. And again, his celebrityhood, we cannot minimize how obsessed we are with celebrityhood. Last week, Ramon and I did a show about Kim and Kanye. You got a very popular show. I just want to tell you, you got a lot of hits. And we, you and I are, we admit, we talk about it all the time, our obsessions with celebrity. So we're not above it all, uh, Ramon and myself. And so just the celebrityhood of it all. And it's like the judge invoking the pride of Chicago. I don't know if you heard this part. We're like, come on, your honor. You know, like Chicagoans love their city and defend their city. And I'm like, come on, your honor. This was not that big a deal to most Chicagoans. Uh, if anything, it was a triviality uh, to a certain degree, an eye-rolling diversion from the utter madness of our universe. And then when he started talking about the police, all the time spent investigating it, they weren't doing it, in my humble opinion, because they wanted to find a culprit so much. They were doing it because like, very early on, it was pretty apparent to them. This guy made the whole thing up. So they were doubling down. Do you follow what I'm saying, Ramon? It's like, oh, we're going to... They're suddenly like tracing where he got the rope, going to the hardware store. I mean, I believed everybody every step of the way in today's hearing, Dan Webb going on and on, overplayed their hand. Now we'll get to this. I don't believe he should have been sentenced to any time in jail. That's my personal belief. What's your belief about that? Um, I, I think you're right. I think a lot of people don't believe that he deserved um, jail time. Um but uh, I do think the fact that he didn't apologize, I think that that is what sent him to jail. I think he wouldn't have gotten jail if he didn't. But I think it's right for you to think that he wasn't going to get any sort of um, jail time because he doesn't really have a criminal background. I think he has previous misdemeanors, um, but nothing serious in his background. So, yeah, I, I, I do think the jail time is a little excessive. Uh, and I'll put this, uh, I'll just say this. He's essentially... Uh, He's essentially uh, convicted of lying. And the judge said that he talked about perjury. He he staged a big lie. And I just think about the president of the United States uh, that preceded Joe Biden. All that guy did was lie. He lied about uh, his phone conversation with Ukraine. He was impeached of that. He lied about uh, the role he played in uh, the January 6th insurrection. He lied uh, about the election being stolen. He was calling up the uh, election judges in Georgia saying throw out votes so he uh, could um, uh, be elected, declared the victor. All he does is lie and all his supporters do is support him. And now they're outraged that Jesse Smollett told a lie. Ramona, this is where I'm just like, I, I, sorry guys, if lying is bad, it's a bad everywhere. You can't pick and choose where lying is bad. This is part of why I feel he shouldn't spend any time in jail. Am I being wrong to compare Trump lying to Jesse Smollett's lying? No, because um, Donald Trump has probably lied more than Jesse Smollett. And here he is, um, you know, talking at CPAC conventions and, you know, he doesn't have to tweet any. He can't tweet anymore, but he's still walking around, you know, giving speeches and he's worshipped you know, all over America by certain people. So definitely. Yeah. I I have a hard time. uh, I think it's okay. You can, you can compare him to, I think, I think, I think, I think Trump's crimes are vastly more serious and significant than what Jesse Smollett did. And, And that's a sad, that's a sad fact of reality. 
And yet it's Justice Smollett who's going to Cook County Jail for 150 days. And Donnie Trump is playing golf somewhere. So uh just like to point that out. All right, I'm not suicidal. Clearly, uh, that was the most dramatic moment of the day. Uh, it was after uh, Judge uh, Lynn uh, pronounced the sentence, and Justice Millett, as you said, got up and he pulled uh, his mask down. He'd been wearing a mask, and he said, "I'm not suicidal," uh, indicating that if his body was discovered dead in a Cook County uh, jail cell. Uh, like other prisoners have, like, well, Jeffrey Epstein, not Cook County, but that was the what popped into my mind. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein uh, in a New York uh, federal uh, prison. If his body is found, don't believe it was suicide. Believe that he was murdered. And uh, I just thought of the Jeffrey Epstein parallels uh, right away. I believe that was the message uh, he was conveying is that they're probably going to use this opportunity to kill him. Am I right about that? Yeah. That, that was the message he was conveying. For sure. Have you ever, you've been covering a lot of trials, criminal trials down through the years. Have you ever seen a, a climactic moment quite like that in a Cook County uh, courtroom? Yeah, yeah. There's been, I mean, I have to say that there has been drama that has been equal to what we've seen today in the courtrooms during sentencing hearings and other hearings. So I have seen the drama before. I mean, I've seen people run out of, the courtrooms, like suspects run on the courtrooms and like, you know, the Cook County Sheriff's trying to chase them down. Um, you know, I've seen all kinds of things that are said in court, outbursts in court. So that wasn't really unusual. I think, you know, I think the fact that it was a, you know, a, a low level crime, I mean, it was still a felony, but it was a low level nonviolent crime. I think it just brought different aspects of, um, you know, of, you know, our society today, Hollywood, MAGA, you know, the police. And so that's what I think it made it more compelling. And, you know, Alec, you know, misdo- mis- missteps in the prose- prosecutor's office. So I think that's why it was a little more seen as a little more dramatic. But anybody who's covered um, the criminal courthouse has seen drama. I mean, there's like, almost every day you can find something that's quite interesting. It's a very you know, I have to say, even the characters that are walking around the courtroom, and I'm not talking about the suspects, but the colorful characters, like the attorneys, like a lot of defense attorneys. I mean, it's like not even like, you know, a, a casting director can find, you know, better suited people to play certain roles, like as defense attorneys. And one thing I have to tell you, I forgot to tell you, is that um, I, I don't know if I've mentioned ever before, but I saw Jesse Smollett years ago at the Leighton Criminal Courthouse. And it was because they were actually shooting a scene, a courtroom scene of Empire. Um, and, you know, I think the, the patriarch of the family is supposed to be serving jail time. So I, I knew the um, sheriff's um, officer who, you know, handled all the movie sets at 26 and Cal or whenever somebody wanted to shoot something at the courthouse. So he goes, hey, do you want to watch a little? So I actually went upstairs. I was supposed to have dinner with Mick, who's now my husband that day. And I wanted to watch a little bit. So I told Mick I was going to be a little late. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw Jesse Smollett sitting outside with his headphones on, you know, by the elevators on the floor waiting for his, um, you know, scene to be called. And so it is pretty interesting that I saw him at 26 and Cal like years before he was actually charged. Wow. Uh, that uh, was a premonition of what would happen. Uh, we'll conclude this part of our conversation with me asking you this. Are we 
done with Jesse Smollett uh, stories in your prediction? Like I said, this has probably been the topic that has been most resilient in all of our conversations. Do you think this puts a cap on it, or do you think there's still more uh, uh, chapters of this saga to be played? There's still more chapters. As I mentioned, um, you know, the city of Chicago still has their lawsuit um, filed against uh, Jesse Smollett. Um, okay, although I think that's going to be dropped very soon because the city was seeking to recoup um, $130,000 from Jesse Smollett for the police overtime costs that, you know, that was part of the investigation when they thought Smollett was a victim. So because he's ordered to pay restitution, they'll probably drop that. But the brothers that Jesse Smollett hired to stage the attack, they've also filed a civil lawsuit against Jesse Smollett. And then there's also his attorneys who have filed an appeal for his conviction. So I don't think it's the last we've heard of Jesse Smollett. I think the biggest parts of his story, I think it's the last we've seen. Um, we're not going to see him that much, I think, in, in the courthouse, I think, because maybe he won't be expected to appear. I don't know how far the civil suit will go, but um, unless he's asked to testify at the civil suit that the brothers have filed, the Sundario brothers, um, then I think there's no reason we're going to see him hanging out in Chicago. I'm thinking he probably doesn't want to hang out in Chicago anymore. Yeah. No. Uh, if, if I were him, I'd put you as soon as possible, put Chicago in the rearview mirror. And the judge did say a part of his probationary uh, sentencing is that he'd be free uh, to travel around the country. He's not confined to Chicago uh, so that he'd pick up his acting career. And there's, you know this as well as I do, probably better than I do, uh, Ramana. Uh, Hollywood will give you a second chance. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think um, I'm actually writing the editorial for tomorrow. And I said, let's hope he, you know, just uses his lines on film and TV sets now instead of with police officers. I didn't put that part, but I'm just saying, let's hope he just he only uses his lines and acting for the cameras, not in the courtroom, but on the Hollywood set. So you never know. He might he might we might see him in another hit show down the line. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's put on a reality show, you know, where they put celebrities together and they're all fighting, you know, I know we don't have, we don't have a big brother show. We haven't had one of those in a long time, but I wouldn't be surprised. We'll probably have, um, you know, after he comes out of jail, I'm sure there's going to be some big interview with him at some point. Oh, absolutely. And this whole thing plays like a reality TV show, by the way, this entire spectacle. And when, and when you, you brought back my memory, when you said that thing about the city suing him, you talk about a guy who overplayed his hand and was most cynical exploitation of a sensational matter. Our former mayor, Rob Emanuel is now ambassador to Japan. Remember how outraged he was. This is the guy who buried me talking, not Romana buried the evidence of the Laquan McDonald video. Cause he didn't want it to come out. And suddenly he's just outraged. He can't believe it that, uh, uh, Jesse Smollett would fake a crime. And yeah, he initiated that lawsuit as he was walking out the door, probably to stick the needle into Kim Fox, uh, because you know, there's no love lost there between Rob Emanuel and Kim Fox. Uh, everybody's sticking the needle into Kim Fox. All right. Um, We'll close uh, with uh, what's a regular segment on our um, uh, bonus episodes that people are hearing Romana for the first time because she's not. We're not dropping it on a Saturday, uh, and, and every uh, interview we uh, talk about Romana's recommendations, um, what she's recommending you should watch and pay attention to, or read, or what have you. So, Romana, what's your recommendation? Well, I told you earlier that I was wa um, 
watching the Hugh Hefner docuseries on A&E. It's basically a 10-part series. And maybe the first week they put out two. And then after that, every other week, they're putting one out. And so we have two more episodes. And last week's episode focused, or this week's episode focused on Bill, some allegations involving Bill Cosby. And around the same time, like later this week, I decided to start the documentary um, on Showtime that is um, made by the comedian W. Kamau Bell. It's called Let's Talk About Bill Cosby. Or no, it's called We Need to Talk About Bill Cosby. And it's a great four-part documentary. I'm on part three. And it's basically mostly comedians and other individuals, a lot of people who are Black, talking about the influence Bill Cosby had on them as, you know, as either entertainers or, you know, just as you know, people in the spotlight. And so, and then it, then it has also these victims that came out and speak and it's actually very horrific. It's actually also very, very sad, but it's just compelling. And it shows you how we kind of get, you know, we're talking about Hollywood celebrity with the Smollett case, but it just shows how people can take their image and kind of use it to keep them from being held responsible for really, really serious crimes. And this documentary shows that Bill Cosby had been attacking women. I mean, all these women have been coming out and they said they were attacked ever since day one when he was out, um, you know, doing his old comedy bits in the 60s. I shouldn't say old comedy bits, but I should say comedy bits from the 60s. Yeah, listening to you uh, say all that, I have to think about uh, my boy, as you uh, like to call him, uh, Woody Allen. And... um uh, the, I think that the, two of the comics that I loved the most back in the sixties and early seventies, Bill Cosby, and Woody Allen are, have not stood well, uh, over time. No, Woody uh, Allen's your boy, not mine, by the yes, way. No, I know we, we, we've, we, you've made that clear more than once. Uh, and I will say this, uh, about Woody Allen, his influence is so significant. I'm close with this. Larry David, who I'm utterly obsessed with, please, God, do not a, something horrific <laughs> come out about him. But his last episodes uh, from this year, which I finally got around to watching the closing episode of this series, is so freaking funny and dark and so Woody Allen. Uh, he owes so much to Woody Allen. And yet Woody he is, Allen is. He is a contemporary and they are friends and he's defended he's Woody. So uh, anyway, Romana, I want to thank you very much for taking the time at this unusual hour uh, to uh, talk to us about the uh, Justice Smollett case. Uh, the story just broke. The um, sentencing just came down. So this is special. We've never done this before, like try to capture something uh, at the moment it is occurring. So thank you very much, Ramana. Thank you. I also want to uh, thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Lane Tech High School. Yes, I didn't say Alton, Illinois, uh, because Dr. D is not uh, producing the show. Uh, he's taking some time off. Uh, DJ Nate. Uh, great job. Thank uh, you very much. And as I always say uh, to Dennis, give yourself a raise and take it out of petty cash. Take care. Everyone.